Hey guys, coming up in just a moment, episode two of Violet's Dad's podcast. No Violet's Corner this week. She's busy getting ready for school. We're going to give her the week off and we'll check in with her again next week. Today's episode is going to be an MLB trade deadline recap. I'm going to give you my winners and losers, uh, a couple of different surprises and a couple of trades that, you know, the jury might still be out on. Coming up next on Violet's Dad's podcast. Hey, welcome. It is uh, episode two of Violet's Dad's podcast. I'd say we're back, but it's, it's just me this week. I'm, I'm flying solo. Uh, you know, I, I just want to get right into it this week. Uh, I, I guess despite, you know, the, the shortened season and, and everything kind of that's been going on in, in baseball and sports and everything with uh, the coronavirus, we, we did actually have a, a somewhat normal trade deadline. Monday in uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, it got a little exciting at times, unless you were, you know, a, a fan of a few certain teams that we'll get into that are, uh, I would say, are legitimate title contenders that did nothing or next to nothing really to improve uh, the team or, or their their shot at a title for 2020. You know, I wasn't sure really what to expect coming into this trade deadline. I, I didn't know if there'd be a lot of big moves. I didn't know if a lot of big names would would really uh, you know, change teams. I, I didn't know. I, I it's just, it's, it's so up in the air with everything, uh, as far as, you know, uh, it being a 60 game season, uh, you know, if you add a guy in a normal season, if you add a rental at the end of July, when the normal trade deadline is you're, you've got a good 60 games left. Uh, you know, I mean, if you add a pitcher that gives you a what, 10, 12, 13, 14 starts, I guess, if you, if you budget that correctly down, down the stretch, um, that you can get out of a new pitcher, even if he is a rental, you get a a quality, you know, amount of starts there. I mean that, you know, if you're looking for a frontline starter, 10, 12 starts, hopefully, I mean, you know, you're looking at 65, 70, 75 innings down the stretch, which, you know, can make a huge difference, uh, at least 60, you know, five to 75 innings, which can make a huge difference, you know, in a, in a pennant run and a title run. Um, even if it is, you know, just for the, the, the one season or the rest of the one season, you give up a few prospects and, you know, you, you fill a hole with a guy that can make a huge difference like that. I mean, that's, um, I guess that's the, that's the crux of the trade deadline. You know, do you trust your scouting and development? Or do you go get the guy that's that's proven to be a difference maker at the major league level? I think that's what a lot of teams were, were faced with. And it, it becomes a little bit more convoluted, I think, uh, uh, you know, during a season like this, when, like I said, you've only got, you know, 25, 24 games down the stretch now. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, a third of the season. I mean, it's a third of a normal season, I should say. It's It's a third of the season, but it's a third of this, you know, abbreviated 60 game season that, you know, you pick up a rental and all of a sudden you're looking at maybe five, six starts down the stretch and hopefully you make a deep run into the playoffs. And I suppose if you do, uh, especially if you win the World Series, then sure, it was all worth it. You know, um, I know a lot of fans look at this season as, ah, you know, I, I really don't want anything to do with, you know, a championship and a shortened season. It's it's going to be an asterisk. It's going to be, you know, it'll always be a little weird footnote in the history of bait. Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe it'll be, you know, look back on as an odd season, but I mean, a championship is a championship. I don't care if the regular season is 162 games or five games. I, you know, if my team's out there on the field competing and playing baseball, I want to win a championship. Um, I can't imagine there's any player out there who is all in with his team right now, you know, going out and playing every night that says, ah, you know, I just going to throw this season away. It's, it's just all about, you know, staying in shape for me. Um, I, I can't imagine if you're, 
on a field, you wouldn't want to win. I, I know that there, you know, there isn't a front office in baseball that, you know, has a team that's, that's, you know, in the standings anyway, you know, close or, or, or you know, in a playoff spot right now, uh, if the season ended today. And I think that was evidenced by the Miami Marlins, the Marlins, I think surprised a lot of people. Um, they went out and got what I think was the best position player. And I don't know that it's close. I think it was the best position player to, to change hands at the trade deadline. They got Starling Marte. Um, and I know you, you're like, wait, what? I mean, the Marlins were buyers at the deadline. Uh, listen, I, I know they were 15 and 14 going in and it really just surprised me at first when I saw that they got Marte, because I thought if you're the Marlins, why are you going all in right now? I mean, you, yeah, you're at the very infancy of this rebuild. If you're the Marlins, I mean, you know, you're not done yet. I mean, you, you just blew the team up. Uh, you know, I know that sometimes in the major leagues now we have a tendency to, and this is a great tendency. I don't mean to sound like it's a, um, it's a blip on the radar. I think it's the way things should be. Uh, this team control stuff to me is, I, I, listen, I get why a franchise wants to, you know, have a guy for seven years versus five. If he's a, you know, a, a, an up and coming prospect and, and a possible, you know, difference maker in the major leagues. I get it. You know, you, you want to hold on to guys longer. You don't want to have to worry about arbitration and uh, re-signing guys. Uh, you know, you want to put that stuff off for as long as you possibly can. Perfectly understandable. But, you know, we're seeing guys come up at, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old now. And it's really not that abnormal for them to come up and make a difference right away. So, you know, you know maybe they're not at the beginning of the of the rebuild. Maybe they're, you know, in the middle stages of it. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, it, it was just surprising to see him go out and get Marte. But then I started looking at what they gave up. And, you know, no offense to these guys, but Caleb Smith and Humberto Mejia, uh, I mean, they're, they're just guys. They're okay. They've been okay. They haven't been terrible. But they haven't been great. Um, you know, I'm sure that there are certain organizations out there and, you know, the, the Cleveland Indians are one of them that can take, it seems like any pitcher at all, uh, no matter how highly regarded or, you know, not highly regarded that pitcher is. And they just turn them into this fastball slider machine. I mean, they did it with Corey Kluber. They've done it with Shane Bieber. Uh, you know, Plesak is the same way. I mean, these guys are uh, Mike Clevenger. They did it with Mike Clevenger, who who obviously was just, you know, a part of the, I'd say, the, the biggest blockbuster trade at the deadline, uh, which we'll get into that, too. I mean, I'll, I'll give you my winners and losers. And and like I said, I'll give you all the trades that I think are, are you know, maybe just kind of hanging out there. We're going to see uh, time's got to pass. You know, we, we've got to see what happens before I can say a team is a winner or a loser. I'll try to give my initial impressions, but I, you know. I don't know. I don't end up on freezing cold takes. So I'll say that some of these need to, they need to pan out a little bit, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, the, the Marlins gave up, you know, Caleb Smith and Humberto Mejia, who, like I said, have just been a couple of guys. I mean, they're, they're okay. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, they go to Arizona and, and get turned around and, and Marte fizzles out. We go, oh, it was a terrible trade for the Marlins, but really what's, what's wrong with taking a shot? I mean, you put Marte in the middle of this lineup who, you know, I actually, it's been pretty impressive. The Marlins lineup. Um, they've gotten some decent pitching. They've gotten some decent young pitching. I just don't know if they'll be able to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, will they do that? I mean, it's doubtful. I don't know. I, maybe they will. Like I said, you know, I just think they're going to need a massive, massive uptick in starting pitching. And I don't know if that means they go out and try to add a guy in free agency um, or maybe they just keep developing their pitchers. I mean, maybe their pitching staff is just on the cusp, you know, of of a huge uh, transition into, um, 
being what they need to be to, to win World Series and to win that division, to win the NL East. Uh, and they're just not quite household names yet. And that's possible. I mean, if you look at the improvement, I mean, I don't want to go through each individual pitcher, but I mean, if you look at the Marlins staff, I mean, from 2018 to 2019 to 2020, the guys that are, that have been there uh, have steadily improved and you know, they're, they're competing. You know, you look at the Marte trade and it, it, I had this in my jury is out category before, but I think I'm going to call the Marlins winners. I mean, they really, like I said, they didn't lose any huge pieces. They got the best position player available on the day of the deadline. uh, And they've got him, you know, signed through 2021. So, you never know. Like I said, if something crazy happens and they develop a couple of starting pitchers and, and the lineup, I mean, if they keep hitting the way that they've hit this year, uh, which could be an anomaly. I mean, I, anything that happens this season could be an anomaly. Let's let's just get that straight. Uh, I, you know, it, it's a weird year. And it's one of those years that I don't know. I mean, do you put any stock in what guys are doing right now? Is it I think you have to. I mean, it's physically happening regardless of, you know, who was ready for the season to start and who wasn't, whatever you're going to say. Uh, some teams, some players that are normally, you know, we expect great things. They got off to terrible starts and and that's okay. I mean, that's going to happen year to year. Uh, baseball is a funny sport like that. But yeah, I mean, the Marlins are, are sitting here. They're, you know, they're right in the thick of things. I mean, when it comes to, you know, earning a playoff spot, they're right there. Uh, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to overtake the Braves and win that division. I don't know. Anything could happen. The Braves have essentially no pitching. Um, Ian Anderson has been, you know, very, very impressive in his first two starts uh, against the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Red Sox quite aren't quite what they have been, you know, over the last few years. But it's still I mean, as a Braves, I grew up a Braves fan. Uh, so, I, you know, I had kind of in a, in a weird spot of Ohio is where I grew up. I I had limited access to the Indians growing up. I had somewhat, you know, I guess more free access to the Reds. Uh, but I could always watch the Braves. The Braves were on TBS when I was a kid and they were terrible when I started watching them. Uh, but they were on TBS, you know, like 150 times a year. So it was like, I mean, that was a part of my my summer tradition, man. It was just, you know, watching the Atlanta Braves on TBS. And, uh, you know, eventually they got good, but they were they were always fun for me to watch as a kid. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Braves are, are one team in the forefront of my mind. Uh, Ian Anderson has been very impressive. They've got uh, Max Freed, who, uh, I mean, by some accounts, if you look at wins above replacement, I mean, I he's been the best player in baseball this season. You know, I... Uh, he's just been very good. I mean, I, th- I think the the step forward that you wanted to see from Freed is there. Um, whether he can sustain that over a long period of time or in the playoffs, uh, you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, I, I can't hold it against the guy because, you know, he hasn't had the experience yet. Um, but you, you do want to see him prove it, obviously, in October and, and going forward. Um, but we'll see. I mean, right now with Mike Soroka hurt, uh, you would have thought that the Braves would have gone out and and really tried to do something. I mean, let's just get into the winners and losers list. I mean, I think the obvious winner is the San Diego Padres. Um, you know, they acquire Mike Clevenger from the Indians who, and again, I mean, just give the Indians credit. Um, they just seem to be able to, they're just very comfortable dealing really, really good starting pitching and having a plan, not only to deal with that loss, but it seems like they're able to, you know, fill gaps. And I don't mean like, you know, completely change the lineup to where like, okay, the Indians are the most feared team in the American league. Now it's nothing like that. Uh, in fact, I don't know how much the Indians really got better in the short term, but I think they gave themselves a couple of pieces in the long term that are going to help them do what they do. I mean, when you're a small market team, you kind of have to build on the fly 
And I know a lot of people got into the whole, well, you know, what, what are the Indians doing? Like, what, why are the Indians selling? They're in first place. Listen, the Indians aren't selling. They're trading from a position of strength to, like I said, not completely overhaul the lineup and become like this impressive, you know, offensive juggernaut to where they're like the new murderer's row and you got to, you can't, you know, throw strikes to the Indians. They're nothing like that. They're not that team. Um, are they a little bit better and a little bit more steady offensively right now? Maybe. Uh, but I think what they've done is they've they've set themselves up for the future. Um, that's the biggest thing. I mean, the Padres, is there anybody the Padres didn't acquire at this trade deadline? Uh, you know, I'm just looking at some of the names and it's like, my goodness, man. I mean, this trade is is just insane. I mean, the the the, the Indians get catcher Austin Hedges, outfielder Josh Naylor, who I think uh Hedges can probably step in. I mean, he's maybe I mean, it's close between he and Roberto Perez on who who the best defensive catcher is uh, between Hedges and, and Perez now. Uh, but, you know, he's not a great hitter. I mean, he's not going to give you, a, you know, a huge bump behind the plate offensively. Uh, but he is a good defensive catcher. Uh, Josh Naylor, I think, is uh, a guy who can come in and play the outfield right away. Cal Quantrill is uh, a little bit intriguing. I think um, former very, very high pick. Um, uh, you know, some things have happened. He's he's things happen to pitchers. I mean, he just hasn't quite progressed. I think at the, the rate that, you know, that he was expected to, but I mean, don't you trust the Indians with pitchers? I mean, is there anybody out there that's going to have the Indians uh, sitting here, the Cleveland Indians sitting here with a hold of a, a, a pitcher who's a prospect and go, ah, I mean, they probably won't develop that guy to anything. You can't say that. I mean, Cal Quantrill could come out and he could be the next Cy Young for all we know. Uh, you know, you get him with the the Indian scouting and development team, and mostly, I guess, the development team now is no reason to scout him. He's there, uh, but you get him with the development, and I, I think uh, the development team with the Indians is is second to none, especially when it comes to pitchers. They just are able to to get these guys who, you know, completely understand their role and they understand their strengths and they and they pitch right to them. It's just, it's uncanny what they've been able to do. Um, but yeah, the Padres to get back to them. You know, uh, I just, I, I don't, I mean, they, they, they picked up Austin Nola, Dan Altavia, Austin Adams. Um, I also think that, uh, the Padres may have been a part of, um, I'm sure they set a record here for this. I, I'd have to look it up, but they might've set a record for the most guys named Austin involved in a trade and in, in different trades at the trade deadline. So that's exciting. Uh, if nothing else, I mean, a bunch of guys named Austin changed addresses, and that's that's always fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Padres, I, I think they got better long term. They got better short term. Uh, the Padres became, in my mind, probably the be- the second best team in the National League. I mean, I think it comes down to the Dodgers and the Padres now. And that hurts me a little bit as a Braves fan to say that. I I thought it was pretty hands down the Dodgers and Braves for a minute. Uh, but, you know, the Braves have a small problem. They have to be able to get out of the first round of the playoffs. I mean, let's just say it. I'm a Braves fan. It hurts, man. Um the Braves have not won a playoff series, I think, since the mid 1700s. And it's tough, man. I, you know, I remember the World Series. I mean, I was old enough. I was 16 when they won in 1995. And I know if you're an Indians fan, that hurts. Um, you, you don't even want to hear the words. And trust me, I know. I get it. You know, my wife is an Indians fan. I mean, her entire family are Indians fans. I want Cleveland to win. I, I you know, I yelled at my my TV, man, a lot more than I normally yell at other teams. I... I don't usually get too fired up unless it's the Braves, you know, playing in the playoffs. But I, you know, during that 2016 World Series, I yelled at my TV a lot. Um, 
actually had the opportunity to attend game two. I was there for game two and um, watched Jake Arrieta be, you know, effectively wild enough to completely shut the Indians down because when you got a guy throwing mid to high 90s and it's 45 degrees and raining, it's just very tough to hit when you don't know where the next pitch is going to be. If it's going to be, you know, three and a half feet out of the zone up and away or if it's going to be right on the black at the knees, uh, it, it does make it a very, very tough challenge to go up there and, and hit a guy like that. So yeah, Arietta was tough in game two, but yeah, I yelled at my TV a lot. I mean, the Indians obviously have plenty of chances to, uh, to wrap that thing up and couldn't quite do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I was saying to get back to the Braves, I remember the title and I remember, you know, obviously, you know, just winning that title in 95 and, and getting back in 96 and going up two Oh on the Yankees and thinking like, Oh, this is it, man. I mean, this is where the Braves finally hit their stride, you know, 91, 92 or, uh, those those were test runs. I mean, I, I felt like they should have or could have at least won that World Series in ninety one, ninety two. They were completely outclassed by the pot, uh, by by the Blue Jays. Rather, sorry, um, Blue Jays were just the better team. They ran into a buzzsaw. They got beat. No big deal. Um, ninety six especially hurts, man. They were up two zero on the Yankees, and the Yankees hadn't become you know what you think of when you think of the nineties Yankees yet. Uh, but still, to be up two zero on that team and to know what they became and and how that turned out. Yeah, you just got to wonder if the Braves went on to sweep them or win four games to one. I mean, what, what happens to the Yankees? Do they still become the Yankees? Uh, you know, do the Braves go on to win, you know, four or five titles over those next, you know, six to eight years? We'll obviously never know. Um, you know, one, we'll say misplaced slider by Mark Wollers seemed to have uh, unraveled the whole season when, when Lairitz hit that little home run off of uh, Wollers there in game in game three. And it just, it, it's odd how even like looking back and watching the series, it just felt like for some reason at that moment, it was like, Oh, Oh no, here we go. This is it. We're not going to win another game. And I don't know why. Um, maybe it's easier to say that with hindsight because that's yeah, easy to look back with hindsight and, you know, draw a conclusion when you already know the ending. But um, yeah, it just felt like that was the season unraveling right there. It felt like that was going to be trouble. And, you know, the Braves would actually never win another game in the world series. I mean, they haven't won another game swept in 99 by the same Yankees. And, uh, you know, they just haven't been back. I mean, like I said, they haven't won a, a playoff series since, I mean, it's, it's been a long, long time and, you know, it's tough to watch that, but I think the Padres are, are now the second best team in the national league. Um, and, and the reds too, the, the Cincinnati reds right now, technically they're out of a playoff spot. You know, if the season ended today, they wouldn't be in. Uh, but they're close and they're starting pitching staff. I mean, does anybody really want to face Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer? I, uh, listen, if the Reds get into the, but they, they acquired Archie Bradley from the Diamondbacks. Okay. I don't know if he's going to be a closer an eighth inning guy. I don't know exactly where he's going to fit in that bullpen, what they're going to want to do with him. Uh, but it gives them another option. I mean, that's think about it this way. It's one inning shorter. Now, you know, when you look at your starting staff, you know, it, it used to be a given uh, you were going to get eight, nine innings from your starter. That's just how baseball used to be. Now it's been shortened, and especially with the short season and, you know, with spring training, it, it ramped up, it stopped, it, you know, started again. And then, boom, we were in the regular season. Uh, you see a lot of managers taking the same approach. And it's uh, to have your starters go four or five innings at a time uh, at the start of the season. And, and you still see guys, you know, starting and you know, we're at the end of August. It's September now, you know, it's September 2nd as I, as I speak. And, uh, you know, you've got guys that are, are going four innings in a start and that's normal right now. I mean, this is normally the time when we're ramping up for the playoffs. I mean, it's the last month of the regular season. We got guys, you know, they're fully stretched out, but it's just been such an odd, 
you know, stop and go, stop and go type of season that um, you had another inning, you know, for your starting staff that they don't have to worry about. That's a huge, that's a huge pickup for the Reds. Uh, didn't give up a ton. They also acquired Brian Goodwin, who I think can play left field for them. Uh, I don't know if Shogo Akiyama is going to get it going or not, but if he doesn't, I think you can put Goodwin right in the left field. Um, the and, and it's a smaller sample size. I mean, Goodwin's a guy who's who's been a couple of different places, but if you look at his 162 game average, I mean, he's he's about a 250, 20 home run, 60 RBI guy. So I mean, that's fine. You know, that it's it's obviously not setting the world on fire. I mean, he's not hitting 350 with 50 home runs, but um, I think in that ballpark, especially in Cincinnati, you'll take a guy who who's averaged 250, 20 home runs, 60 RBIs over 162 games. Um, you know, and, and he's not a bad outfielder. I think he can he can make a difference there. So I think uh the Padres and the Reds are my two big winners. And, and like I said, I had the Marlins um on my uh my jury is out section at first. I've changed my mind. The more I look into that, the Marlins won. Um they won. You know, they they were winners at the deadline. I think the Indians were winners as well. Again, I had them in my kind of jury is out section for a minute too. Um, but I think the Indians set them uh, set themselves up with their uh, with their shortstop of the future and Gabriel Arias. I think uh, I was actually if you kind of look at the scouting reports uh, between he and Francisco Lindor when they came up, they're actually very similar. And the intriguing thing about Arias, he's twenty years old. He's already six foot one, two hundred pounds. Uh, he's a big guy. You know, I, I don't know that Lindor was really projected to be much of a power hitter. Uh, at first, I think he was thought of a more of a, a, a doubles guy, you know, a gap to gap kind of, um, you know, he'll drive the ball, but he's not going to hit, you know, 25, 30 home runs. He's turned into that uh, right now. You know, you look at Arias and I, I think he's got that capability to be a 25, 30 home run guy, especially already being six foot one, 200 pounds at 20 years old. It's not unreasonable to think that he could add, you know, an inch or two to his frame and, uh, you know, 15, 20 pounds which would make him a really, really formidable player size-wise at shortstop. Um, he's got a great arm. I mean, just a, a, a cannon arm. He almost reminds me, I mean, he's obviously a notch below where Fernando Tatis Jr. is, but he's that type of a player. I mean, very athletic. He gets to a lot of balls. Uh, you know, he's got a high motor. He, you know, he needs, uh, he needs to work on his plate discipline. He's got a huge swing and miss problem. He strikes out a lot. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna get into the exact numbers, but he does have a little bit of a swing and miss issue. Uh, got a little bit of a long swing. If I'm talking like a scout, I trying to watch uh, what video there is. And it looks like sometimes his, his swing gets away from him a little bit. He just kind of, he takes a really long trek to the, to the hitting zone, I guess with his bat is what I'm trying to say. Uh, if he could shorten that up, he's strong enough that, you know, again, if he can shorten that up and just uh, work on the plate discipline, I think he can be a 25, 30 home run guy. Um, but I think his upside is as a defender. Like I said, he's he's got nice, soft hands. Uh, he's got the it looks like the defensive ability to stay at shortstop in the major leagues. It doesn't look like he'd be a guy that's, um, you know, you'd have to move to second or third base uh, because of an athletic issue. I mean, he's he's every bit athletic enough to play shortstop at the major league level. And it's funny. I mean, he comes over to, uh, you know, to Cleveland and he's already, you know, number five, he's the the number five prospect in the system. So um, I think that's a good pickup by Cleveland. I don't think that, uh, I don't think they sold at all. I don't, I I just don't see it. I I think, um, 
you know, again, uh, to improve the team, sometimes you have to trade from a position of strength and starting pitching is clearly a strength for this team. Uh, you know, I, you, you know what Bieber's doing. I mean, please has been, you know, very, very good this year. Tristan McKenzie has shown a, a ton of promise. I mean, I, you know, there, there's a reason that he's highly thought of, uh, you know, and then they've obviously got guys like Adam Plutko and, um, you know, Carlos Carrasco, just they've got, they've got starting bits. It's embarrassing how much starting pitching the Indians have. So they'll be fine. And I think they set themselves up for the future uh, with that trade with Arias. Uh, I think, you know, he was probably the key piece. Um, these other guys, like I said, Hedges and Naylor, I think can come in and, and play Quantrill, uh, a little bit of a wild card. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Indians do with him uh, from a development standpoint. I think that'll be fun to see uh, just because they turn these guys into gold. And it's it's really cool to see a small market team just continue to develop pitchers like that. Um, yeah, so the Indians, I, I you know, the Indians, I, I think they were winners as well. Uh, the losers of the trade deadline this year, I mean, the, you know, the Yankees, my goodness, man, they have so many significant injuries. I mean, who else even hurt on the Yankees right now? Like I can't even, I, how do you even keep track? Um, my gosh. I mean, they've got Aaron judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gleyber Torres, you know, Paxton hasn't really done anything. I, these guys are, are weeks away from returning and at the normal trade deadline in a normal season, if they were weeks away from returning, you okay, that's fine. You know, take the month of August, uh, you know, take the first week of September, Let's try to get these guys back in, you know, acclimated so they can get 15, 20 games under their belts before, you know, the playoffs start. At least I guess the advantage to that is they're a little bit fresh, um, seeing that they're healthy, but uh, you don't have that kind of time this year. And I really thought the Yankees uh, with as many pieces as they seem to have in that minor league system of theirs, I, I thought they'd go out and get something. Um, I, I don't know if you mortgage the future, you know, to, to fill all these holes. I mean, you obviously have players who are capable of playing, they're just injured. I'm not sure why the Yankees didn't do anything. Um, I just know that with all the injuries, now would have been the time for the Yankees to make a move, and they didn't do that. Uh, the Astros, uh, again, are another team that really just didn't go out and acquire anything that was of any consequence to help them. Um, and the Braves. You know, the Braves are my third team. They're, they're my team. Um, it's frustrating sometimes to watch the Braves approach. I get why, uh, you know, I don't want to see them go in just to go in. Uh, let, let's be honest. Like, I don't want to see a mortgage the future and say, Hey, let's just add a guy like Lance Lynn and see what happens. Uh, I know that the Rangers were asking quite a bit for Lynn. What's a guy like that worth to you? Um, you know, and, and another reason I think maybe the Braves didn't make a move is because you do have Soroka injured, you know, with the Achilles injury, you know, maybe you just don't want to make a big move there. If, um, you don't have all your guys at full strength. And obviously Soroka is not going to be back this year. I mean, that's not a, a torn Achilles isn't an injury that you just bounce back from in a couple of weeks. So we know he's not going to be back until next year. Um, but I think the, the Braves missed an opportunity to get better. I really do. I think they could have gotten something other than Tommy Malone from Baltimore. Uh, no offense to Malone. You know, he, he projects as a fourth or fifth starter at best. And if the Braves are going to get out of the first round, you know, ever in the playoffs, you've got to go out and acquire something better than a fourth or fifth starter at best at the trade deadline when your ace is, is, uh, you know, on the sideline with a major injury. I don't know. It's I'm torn. Like I said, I, I get it from both sides. I do wish they would have gotten better. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Cole Hamels. I don't know if he's going to pitch this year, if that's going to be, you know, a wasted season for him. 
there's a lot of money to spend on a guy who hasn't seen the hill yet. So like I said, that just remains to be seen. Uh, maybe they're counting on getting him back and you know, that, that could be like a little boost, uh, you know, a different kind of boost at the trade deadline without, uh, you know, having to give up anything if Hamels is able to come back and he's anywhere near healthy and, and, you know, in shape enough to, uh, to help them make a run. But, you know, as I said, it's September 2nd. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, conditioning Cole Hamels has been doing. I'm sure he, I mean, he's a veteran. I know that he knows how to get himself into shape. Um, but there's a difference, you know, running bleachers and running around the field and running sprints is totally, totally different than trying to go out and throw seven or eight innings in a major league game. So he's going to need some game reps. He's going to get, you know, he's going to have to get his arm stretched back out. I mean, it's going to take time. And is he going to be ready to go by the time the playoffs start? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, Ian Anderson has been very, very impressive. Like I said, in his first two starts. So right now, I mean, you've got Max Fried, Ian Anderson. Who do you want to put at three? Uh, you know, you, you could put anyone there. Um, unfortunately, the Braves don't have an embarrassment of riches at starting pitching like some teams. So, you know, it's a crapshoot. Um, you know, and, and even with Ian Anderson, it's not a sure thing. I mean, he's very, very young. He's had literally no experience in the playoffs, uh, no experience in the major leagues up until these last two starts. So to say that you can count on him being your number two starter in the playoffs is, I, I think, absurd. Uh, I also think it's the reason that uh, Brian Snitker didn't go with Soroka last year as the ace in the playoffs. I know a lot of people are upset. You got to start your best pitcher. You got to start game one, game one. But, you know, you take a guy who has no playoff experience. Uh, that can backfire on you pretty quickly. And I know that, you know, Snitker is a guy who who probably values, it seems to, to me that he values that experience over who's hot right now. Um, you know, sometimes you, you guess and you guess wrong as a manager. Uh, but I thought, you know, I would have erred on the side of caution there and gone with a guy who had a little more experience. I, I thought he did fine there. That's neither here nor there. I mean, it's gone now. Uh, but yeah, you would think of a team like, you know, the Braves who I mean, have moved on from Julio Tehran. I mean, you know, Mike Fulton, is, is he's gone. Newcomb has had his issues. I don't know. We'll see what they do. I was disappointed they did nothing. So I would say the Braves, Astros and Yankees were all, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd call them losers at, at the trade deadline. I, you know, they're legitimate title contenders who all needed to, like I said, go out and get something to get them over that hump. Uh, the Braves, you know, th- their hump is getting out of the first round. Uh, the Astros, their hump, is, I mean, they, they've gotten off to a terrible start. They've had some injuries as well. You know, they're they're missing, what, Alex Bregman. They're missing Jordan Alvarez. They're, they're missing a trash can. Uh, they're missing a lot of key pieces. Uh, maybe I'll edit that out. Maybe I'll leave it in. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought those teams could have all, you know, gone in and, and, and gotten a little more to, to help them make that run in October. But, uh, you know, they were comfortable with standing pat for now. And that seems to be the MO more often than not for the Braves is to go ahead and stand pat and to see how it, uh, you know, how it works out down the stretch. So we'll see. I mean, we'll, it'll play out one way or the other and we'll, we'll all see it. Yeah. I didn't think anybody did anything near what the Padres did. I mean, the Padres acquired so many pieces that, uh, you know, and Clevenger was obviously the the headliner of that, but they, they've got guys that can plug in and, and play different roles. And, and, you know, sometimes when you, when you get traded to a um, a team that's contending like that and a team that's just young and exciting and not, you know, Clevenger's going from the Indians to the Padres. Indians are in first place. Uh, but the Padres are just so young and exciting and flashy and fun and I like to talk of baseball right now, you know, and 
we got into it a little bit last week with the the whole unwritten rules thing. I mean, you know, maybe you think they're the talk of baseball and that's a good thing. Maybe you think it's a bad thing. Uh, maybe you think they're too flashy. Um, but I just don't think it's it's how could it be bad for the game? I just don't think it's bad for the game. And baseball is a sport that I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and say baseball is dying. It's not dying. I mean, it's it's there. People watch it. It's you know, I, I think there is plenty of excitement and buzz around the trade deadline. I think. um you know, I debated on doing this or not, too. I, I was going to say, you know, the, the fans are losers because we don't get to go out and see, you know, these new guys. I mean, we've got new guys at the ballpark. I mean, I'm sure Padres fans want to go out and see what, you know, what Mike Clevenger looks like in a Padres uniform. And man, he just fits that that team in that that city so well, doesn't he? Uh, but I'm sure they're, they're excited to see him there. And, you know, they, they want to get out and see a start. I, I think he'll um, I think he said he may be starting against the Angels. Uh, one of these games coming up soon. So, um it would have been fun, you know, for the fans to get out and see him. But I guess, yeah, whatever. We're watching on TV. That's fine. Um, I'm not sure if the fans are winners or losers because I don't think anyone expected this much movement at the trade deadline. Maybe some people did. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't expect this much movement. I thought teams would uh, would maybe hold on to what they had until, you know, we kind of see what's going to go on for 2021. Um, I thought, you know, teams would be extremely cautious. I didn't think anybody would move. Uh, a guy like the Indians moving Mike Clevenger, but you know, you look and they got well, like 300 players back. So, you know, it's not so bad when you got a bunch of guys that can fill a hole uh, at, at the major league level and you've got a couple of prospects. Uh, again, I think that's what the Indians are very just, you know, they're, they're forced to be creative like that. As far as the teams that didn't go do anything again, I understand uh, wanting to be somewhat cautious but again, if you've got a shot for a title, you know, 60 game season, 162 game season, I think you got to go for it. And, you know, the one thing about this season being odd and everyone go, oh, just wait till next year. You know, time doesn't wait. Uh, these guys may not have played 162 games and they won't play 162 games this season, but they're another year older. Uh, time still moves on. You know, some of these guys are, are closer to contract years. They're closer to their bodies breaking down. I mean, you can't play forever. So, yeah, I know that some teams are, are probably extremely frustrated, uh, you know, not only to know that, you know, they've got expiring contracts, but they've just got, you know, aging cores, you know, that are, are they're not getting younger. I mean, that doesn't wait a year. Like I said, it, you know, your, your age doesn't know that there was a pandemic. I mean, it doesn't get to go back and say, hey, you know, let's let's give you another year here uh, before your body breaks down. Uh, so that could be frustrating for, to a couple of these teams, too. Um, I don't know. We'll just have to see how things play out. So, uh, yeah, uh, those are, are, are my main, you know, I guess those are my main takeaways from the trade deadline. I mean, those are my winners and my losers. Uh, again, losers are, you know, the contenders that didn't do anything. Uh, my winners are, are, are the teams who, who went out and got a couple of pieces, didn't give up a ton. Um, and really even the Padres, uh, you know, on top of what they got back, I mean, the, the, the biggest prospect they got rid of was Arias. And, and I think that uh, if you ask anybody in the Padres organization, they're okay with a guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. Man in that shortstop position for a while. I think they'll be okay. Um, not that you don't look at Arias as a great player, but um, you know, they, they gave up very little and they improved exponentially. I think, I mean, again, like I said, I think they're, it's, it's pretty easy to say that they're the second best team in the national league. Um, so, I mean, you know, how's it all play out come October? I don't know. We'll have to watch. We'll have to see, uh, you know, again, 
we'll just have to see. Padres and Reds and the Marlins are 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 my three winners. I think the Blue Jays did some things. I don't know how. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know how Robbie Ray is going to be. Um, how that's going to turn out. I'm not really sure. I know the one uh, trade that I was a little puzzled about was Oakland uh, going out and getting Mike Miner. I this is something I wanted to talk to you about a little bit earlier when I was talking about my jury is out section. I, the jury's still out on Oakland on this trade because I think Miner is a guy who he's almost two and a half miles per hour under his average velocity this season on his fastball. You know, is that a is that a blip? Is that it's just I, you know it could be a mental thing that like he didn't exactly get ramped up the way he wanted to get ramped up. I mean, sometimes pitching is such a feel thing that if you don't, you know, if you don't get warmed up for a game or you don't get stretched out for a, a, a start or a week or a season or whatever, I mean, just uh, you feel off and that could be what's going on. I mean, maybe Miner's just subconsciously not letting it go because he doesn't feel like his arm is hundred percent ready. Uh, but that's, you know, a thing to keep an eye on if, if, you know, he gets to Oakland and uh, you know, and that velocity is is down a tick like that. I mean, that makes a big difference in October when, you know, it starts to get a little bit colder. I mean, you know, you don't have as much movement. The ball flattens out a little bit. Um, so average velocity, I think, plays a part there. And, and keep in mind, too, I mean, Oakland, I mean, they're a team with a great record. They're winning, but they've only played one team with a winning record this season, and that's the Astros. And when they faced Houston, that was back at the beginning. I mean, Houston got off to a uh, just an abysmal start. So, I mean, Oakland could be a little bit of a, you know, maybe a, I don't want to say a pretender, but I, I just don't know. Maybe they won't have the sticking power to stay around uh, quite that way. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know which Mike Miner they got. So I think the jury is still out on that one. On the surface, it's not a terrible move. Uh, but yeah, it depends on how Mike Miner, how that plays out, that situation plays out. If he's able to, um, you know, be the Mike Miner that I'm sure Oakland is hoping they're, that they're going to, going to get, uh, then that'll be fine. But if he's, you know, the, the two miles per hour under his fastball average speed, Mike Miner and, and gets banged around and, uh, in October, Oakland doesn't have a ton of pitching otherwise. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think Oakland could be just a little bit overrated, uh, again, you know, only face one team with a winning record and it's the Astros and they were terrible at the time. So we'll see about that. Uh, the other trade deadline stuff, I think, um, you know, you can, Look it all up. Uh, email the show. Tell me if you thought there. I mean, is there anything I missed? Uh, maybe there's a a trade that you think is going to be so instrumental for your team or for another team that I just I glazed right over. I, you know, I didn't want to get into every single trade and break down every you know uh, the background of every guy that that moved you know teams at the deadline. But if there's anything I missed, I mean, anything I glazed over, let me know. Email the show. It's uh, Violet's Dad's Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, no you know, punctuation, no apostrophes, just Violet's dad's podcast, right? Straight through at gmail.com. Again, you can always tweet at me. I'm real Chad Bryan on Twitter. You can always, um, you know, if you hear the show tweet at me, let me know. Uh, let's talk baseball. You know, let's, let's, let's discuss it. If there's something I missed, let me know if there's something that, uh, you want me to go into depth a little further with, let me know. Um, God, I don't care, man. You, you know, you want to tell me your winners and losers of the trade deadline? Tell me, I, you want to tell me a good ghost story? Tell me, man. Tell me something you had for dinner. I don't care. Just tweet at me. Email the show. Again, you can find me at Real Chad Brian. Email the show, Violet's Dad's Podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to interacting with you guys. I want to hear uh, you know, your ideas for the show. I want to hear things that you think I should talk about. Um, you know, do you want to come on the show? I mean, I if you want to be on the show and talk baseball with me or or, or talk whatever with me, uh, you know, email me and let me know. We can we can work that out. 
but uh yeah it's been uh it's been good to get back on the mic here. I wanted to uh I wanted to have a trade deadline show and I I, I hope to do this the day of the deadline. Um but it's just, it's such a fluid thing. I mean, I couldn't really do a live show. I mean, I'd be on for six hours the day of the trade deadline. Uh I don't think anyone wants to listen to me for six hours. Uh not straight through anyway. But yeah, like I said, if you guys have ideas, email the show, violetsdadspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me, real Chad Bryan. Uh you can find me on Instagram, Real Chad Brian. Send me a message. Uh, like I said, just tell me what you want to hear about on the show. If you want to talk about something, by all means, uh, you know, email me, tweet at me. I'll, I'll mention you on the show. I'll, I'll answer your questions. I'll, you know, if, if you want to argue about something, that could be fun. We could debate something. You know, just whatever. I mean, get a hold of me. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Uh, you know, and, and and we'll go from there. But yeah, I appreciate you guys listening to another episode. Uh, this has been the second episode of Violet's Dad's podcast. A little bit of a shorter one this week, so that's it's good for your listening pleasure. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Next week on the show, we will check back in with Violet. We'll have Violet's quarter, and we'll see uh, you know what she's been doing for the last couple of weeks. At that time, it'll be a couple of weeks since you guys have heard from her. So we'll check in and see what's on her mind. And uh, other than that, like I said, thanks for listening. I really appreciate you guys sticking around. That's the show. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. We love you. Yes, we do.